we're not going to go on literally forever, but does anybody have like a hard time cap? Um, whenever my wife is like, hey, I really need to go to sleep. That's fair. I, I hope to not hit over an hour and a half. That seems more than reasonable. Yeah, that's, we probably. can always um, split out talking about specific archetypes into a second episode if we end up talking about general. Yeah, I feel like archetypes are probably more specific, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I think it's an important thing to consider while team building, but it doesn't necessarily have to be part of this episode. Yeah. Okay. Hey everyone, this is the JSA Clicks podcast, episode number, I don't know, who cares. We discuss the competitive hero clicks environment as well as any alternate formats that are currently relevant. I'm your host, Jay Solomon, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, who are both much better hero clicks than me. We have regular co-host, Devin. Hello. And we have person who's too good to be on this podcast and has their own that sometimes records, I guess, PJ. How are you going to say I'm too good for this podcast while I'm on this podcast? I mean, <laughs> this is Devin, the first time you've invited me, I think. We kind of invited you for another episode that we never ended up recording. Uh, yeah, for uh, what's it called? Last for, year, but... uh, Klixman format, or Kilted Klixman format, but uh, that kind of uh, that's right. fell out. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a reunion of that one few month period of uh, the Metal Lab where Jay was the host and yeah. you were on and I was on a bunch of times. <laughs> that's a good point. I guess, uh, oh, Devin, you never designed, designed that designed that figure that we talked about, but whatever. <laughs> Did not make what? a prime that dealt damage for placing. Although that kind of existed later. Not globally, though. <laughs> uh, so today we're discussing uh, a more general topic. We're kind of, we're going to have multiple episodes because there are different aspects to this, but basically just general strategy. And today is going to be basically team building. Uh, we're also going to have an episode on maps with Tom because he's the map guy, and I'm sure that there's another specific thing that I'm forgetting. But... Tactics. Just like onboard tactics. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, yeah, pretty it's a pretty important so... part of the game, you know. It's I mean, unless you're Matty G, but, you know. <laughs> That's all he does. What do you mean? <laughs> what, team building? That's No, the, the tactics. Oh, no, no, I meant... Yeah. Matty does. He doesn't team build or pick That's maps. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, so basically we have, uh, for team building, uh, figure evaluation, important powers, uh, combat math and stuff, uh, and what else? Synergy, theme teams, and maybe archetypes if we have time, or we'll have to talk about another. Uh, we'll see. So, and Devin has a, thankfully has a layout for us to work with. So how to identify a good figure yeah, so this is uh, the first thing. Um, when you're starting to build a team, one of the most important things that you can do is figure out which figures are actually worth including on teams. And there are quite a few ways to do that, but um, there are some figures that you should just not put on teams. <laughs> so, you know, anything that's like just way too many points and doesn't do anything special probably shouldn't end up on your team. Um, there are specific reasons to include or exclude figures, which we'll go over, but uh, one of the main things is points. Are they efficient for their points? Are they 200 points? <laughs> then, they, then they're pretty much never going to end up on your team. <laughs> yeah, I think by default, if it's just a, a close combat figure that doesn't do anything, 
it's probably not good, especially if it's susceptible to outwit. Like, you know, you're... I mean, there have been times where, like, a 200-point Superman has been good, but, like, I don't know. Forget not any time recently. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess the easiest example is Colossus. Like, he's pretty much never good. Just because, you know, no he version of wants to... Yeah. I mean, he wants to punch things, but he'll get shot, so not going to actually do anything. Yeah, so I think the two... So in my opinion, at least, the two most uh, important things that I look at for whether I want to ever consider a figure for my teams is how efficient they are on points and whether they do something mechanically unique. Um, So as far as point efficiency, what I'm talking about is something like the new high evolutionary, who's 30 points for an incredible attacker that has probability control and doesn't die to one hit. Like you used to be able to get that for like 80 points and now it's a 30 point figure. (laughs) So, you know, as soon as that comes out, you should look at it and be like, this is really cheap. It does something pretty well. So it's probably going to be good. Um, The other thing is a little harder to define, but basically any figure that does something that no other figure can do is worth considering on a team. So that's figures like Jason Wingard, like Vulture when he was around, like um, the new Exodus, who only combos with Jean Grey, but is pretty much the only one that combos with her well. A couple of other, there are a bunch of other examples of that, but uh, that's another thing to look at when you're considering that's fair (laughs) um like the main thing i look for like just baseline is like um survivability right like you can have something great for 30 points that's just always going to die before it does anything and it's not so great for 30 points that's like my argument against dark phoenix um why everyone thinks it's the best piece in the format and i don't is most games it is dead before it acts and that to me is a waste of 30 points on a build yeah it depends for like if your build can support it like if you're big theme and you can go like indoor granted that kind of nerfs what dark phoenix does but if you can protect it adequately then sure but just jamming it onto a non-theme team is usually bad more often than it's good that's a fair point yeah, and there are things that you can do to mitigate um, your incredibly powerful offensive pieces that are really weak defensively. So one of those things is, of course, going inside and having barrier and stuff. Um, also, in terms of Dark Phoenix, a couple of people have shown that it's pretty potent to just take multiple. So yeah, one of your Dark Phoenixes dies, and then your other ones retaliate. That's fine. You didn't care about the one dying. You still get to retaliate. Um or just uh, back when I was running um, the primary attacker Surter build, I ran like four giant girls whose only jobs were to stand in front of the Surter. <laughs> <laughs> then even I'm if just, you're outside, they can't shoot your Surter. There are a bunch of Colossals in the way. I'm just hard-pressed to want to play multiple Dark Phoenixes when I can play like Molecule Man for the same points, who yeah, is, it, falls into your mechanically unique uh, mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, like you and said, high evolutionary, <laughs> um, like there, you, in the, in clicks right now, there's so much value for low points that it's phasing dark Phoenix back. And I, I'm going to be playing dark Phoenix on my next like competitive team that I'm playing in Huntsville because I'm playing hellfire club. 
So obviously I'm going to play Dark Phoenix, but I can take it out when I don't want it. So that's, you know, another thing to look at here for what you were talking about on uniqueness is like the upcoming Magneto and Professor X and then the Invisible Woman. Yeah, those, um, yeah, the swap figures allow your mechanically unique figures to be even more likely to make your builds because now mostly for mechanically unique figures they need to be both efficient and mechanically unique to some extent like Mm -hmm. you know jason wingard is three attackers for 75 points or uh, molecule man is 30 points for like the best barrier of all time um like you know if he had the best barrier of all time but was 100 points he's not making your team right even though I mean, he has an 100 point line and nobody has played it. <laughs> exactly. Nobody will ever uh, play that. So, the thing that the new swap figures allow you to do is if there are mechanically unique figures that only work against some tiny subset of the population, or if you win map or some other particular criteria, you can put them on your build sheet and take them out or put them in when you need them instead of keeping them around forever which allows mechanically unique, but not necessarily efficient or useful against everything figures to have a place in the meta still. Yeah, that's like Bishop, uh, the Chase Emma Frost, Harry Leland. Like, those are all swappable. They have all yeah. the right keywords. And so. Harry Leland has shown that he can be pretty potent even mainboard sometimes. So yeah. having him uh, available from the sidelines seems like it's going to be really quite powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, we, just uh, a, we just have a... Sorry. Go ahead. Just gonna say we have a lot of Swiss Army stuff right now. I mean, yeah, we have all the swaps. Like we have, we we already have Fantastic Four that's awesome play. Now we have, I mean, Magneto's keywords are pretty good, but he just takes them to a whole other level. Like just the sheer options that he has, uh, yep. as well as uh, X Men were again good. And I mean, they also have some figures that you definitely don't want some of the time. Like I played against Wes Summers and he was playing plus twelve Mystical theme to make Jubilee go off, but then he. I, I won map. So yeah, it was maybe like, Jubilee oh. actually shows up on a sideline so that you she's can bring her in when you auto win. play on X Men. Makes sense. If, if she's not on your board yeah. or the side, <laughs> you're just not right. Like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we also have one of the. Uh, I think. The... I think the best example of mechanically unique but not efficient that's actually quite good right now is uh, the Invisible Woman that um, Matt Esper is playing a bunch of. Right. Um, those are not, like, if you look at their stat lines for their points, if you look at their powers for their points, they're quite bad. But they do something that no other figure does, which is literally can't be attacked in the way that Matt Ashford plays them. So they're still quite good. Yep. Well, I mean, if it wasn't for the Wolverine, they would be a, a lot worse because they have, you know, you have a character that can literally not be KO'd. So you can actually and still get a reasonable game. attacker. Yes. Yeah, I mean, to don't die team that actually has an attacker, you just literally can't score points. So well, the problem, though, with that team is I think just not enough people know how good Pulse Wave is against it. Because, yeah. like, Pulse Wave versus a duration effect under the new rules, like, it shuts off her ability to not be attacked. So like you Yeah, just people are like, you only dealt one damage up. to them. How are you killing them? Oh, now you can attack them for the rest of the turn. Okay. Right. <laughs> Some seem to know about that uh, ridiculous uh, interaction. It's they also just, quite bad. Oh, Pulse Wave isn't as good as it was, so it's trash. <laughs> yeah, people it's also uh, is better than like what it saying was. Right. thing so? is worse, so it's bad. Like uh, you know, yeah. the pocket tank never got play again. Haha, <laughs> joke never got play again. Right. You know, mine. Uh, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that that team is quite bad against is Maggot. If people are playing three Maggots, then uh, it's it's going to do a lot worse. 
And people weren't, and now they they are. <laughs> they definitely are. All right. Um, does anybody else have anything like general to say about good figures? I, I think it's, I mean, to me, it kind of speaks to itself. Like, a lot of the times, like, good figures are obvious. Um, yeah, I mean, they're obvious to us, us, but are they obvious to somebody who's just starting and trying but to figure out how to build it? I think they're obvious to anybody who at least pays attention to, like, Facebook groups, because, like, sure. it's so infrequent now for a piece to go under the radar. It gets talked about immediately. Like, look at Blackheart, how much he's been talked about. Like, To be fair, that's partially because of the set around him. Well, see, this set's getting a lot of hate, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, we have a question about it, though. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about it then. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some good stuff in the set. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're also in an environment where people aren't hiding what they play, which is good. So, yeah, yeah like, you're not going to have the good players not talk about how good a figure is. I mean, I don't know, a little bit, but generally speaking, you know, they have these... I mean, I always like to talk so. about what I think is good. Same. I think it's... Yeah. I think it's fun for the community to be able to, you know, nobody likes going to a tournament and having no chance because there's a figure that nobody was talking about for some reason that's that just won the entire thing, right? Like, people like to go and have fun and play a team that has a chance of winning. So I think that it's good for the hobby for it to be, for there to be accessible information that allows you to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we also have a lot more content now, like, Majestics has it's easy to find results for tournaments. People are talking about new figures and writing good articles and stuff. Uh, I was going to mention Lucas has a good article about I guess what was it? he talked about Clicks Cup or no he was talking about he current talk about the meta yeah. yeah yeah and he pointed out that like that meta has definitely shifted much towards lower points like there's probably some sort of build out there that's just like ten thirty point figures is probably good. I mean, that's well, basically like, what I the had, scientist team is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was playing my... my I had a plus 10 with a Doom, but I still had everything else is basically 30 or lower, so still had a plus 10 with mostly 30-point yeah, I mean, stuff. You know, the, the, the spreadsheet that I did for the Clicks Cup showed that the average point value of a figure played at the, at the Clicks Cup was 38, which is yeah. ridiculous to me. <laughs> like That is ridiculous. That's so low. <laughs> We're getting way down there. I actually think it's lower now, because um, a build sheet that I didn't have, somebody sent it to me. So I included it, and it was like a bunch of flashes and stuff. So I think the point value has actually gone down, but I don't know what, I don't remember what the new point value was. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, what, we had a set that had, Mo I mean, Molecule Man and High Evolutionary alone, and then we had the flashes, like that. The flashes. Absent anything else. I just find it funny yeah. that Maggot is above the average point value. Yeah, yeah so it means he's bad, right? But he, I mean, look at the rest of his team. So his team kind of brings the average down, yeah. right? So, Double ten pointers, <laughs> twenty five yeah, points, and a thirty five, like and a and on twenty. Yeah, one twenty, one twenty five, right? Yeah, yeah. So lots of and then my team, I played four Superman. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Superman, the number of Superman robots versus the number of teams that contained a Superman robot was a really funny statistic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was an average of four per build. That's that's amazing. <laughs> you played four, somebody else played five, and someone else played three. <laughs> yeah. Um, kids yeah, love so, printing their ten-point figures. Even yeah, you know, we lost Flores, but we have just a whole bunch, and they're all yeah, you know, pretty much every keyword has one now. Robots. 
now yeah i mean multiple mans for x-men now like they didn't need yeah. the filler but now they have it because why not really useful for swapping so we're not going to talk much about sealed on this episode because sealed team building is pretty restrictive usually and we've recently done a full episode on team uh sealed team building which is a little more interesting um but I will just say that we've been talking a lot about how important efficiency is, and that's much less true for sealed. Um, what you're looking for in sealed is really just your most powerful figures, assuming that you're playing standard two booster sealed in a set with not that much good stuff. Um, so like if you pull a high evolutionary and sealed out of two boosters, it's much less likely that you're playing it at 30 point line, whereas in constructed, you're playing it at the 30 point line every time. Yeah. So just in case people wanted to try to extrapolate some of this advice to sealed not that part <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so what's the next section important power i guess your staple powers i guess yeah so this is stuff that like when while you're building a team um if you look at it and it doesn't have access to some percentage of these powers then it's probably not good enough um a lot of these powers are accessible in like a lot of ways at the moment. They're on really low point figures that are good anyway, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, it's interesting to discuss both how important they actually are and what situations you don't necessarily need them in. Um, which power should we start on? Do you just want to start on the list and go down or is there a particular? Uh, I don't let's about? think start with one a... you don't have on there. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, there's two that you leadership. don't have on there that I'm a little confused right. about. Yeah, I mean, leadership, I guess I didn't write down because it was so assumed. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. that it, Like, any team without leadership is, you better be playing, a like, only three figures. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> Otherwise, the only time you're losing 25% of your action economy for no good reason, pretty much. Right. You just get out action the entire time, like... Especially against all of the teams right now, which all have like six figures on them and leadership. Yeah. So they're always taking four actions. Like they're not going to be double tokened and not able to take actions, partially because of new willpower and partially because of um, how many figures they have. Whereas if you're playing five figures and you don't have a leadership, then oof, <laughs> they're taking a lot more actions than you are. Yeah, I mean, generally you're not playing all man army or only three character teams. So yeah, it's 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 since they since 2017 and they changed it to a passive. It, it it's kind of you have to have it by default. Yeah, even just, even when it was you had to roll it to get an extra action, it was pretty necessary that you included on teams. But there yeah. were teams that could work without it. But now that it's just plus one action, it's just like okay, where's my source of leadership? Yeah, that's the like, first thing I figured like out. You, like what you said introing into this was like when we, we talk about when you can't have the power, and I don't. I don't think there's any situation that you don't get yeah. leader. You you only have three figures, or you're a one-man army. Right. If you have three or less figures on your main force, then it is acceptable. Even then, you might even still want it, just for the chance yeah. to take tokens. But And having three or less figures on your main force is pretty uncommon. Like, your yeah. team probably isn't good right now if you have three or less figures on your main force. Agreed. <laughs> even if you're so. playing a temple, like, you're probably still playing four or five other figures around them just so you don't get out of action. Exactly. And... You can play like you could play an 150 point figure and still have like two secondary attackers now because you have 30 point secondary attackers. It used to be you have an 100 point figure and everything else is support for that 150 point figure, but yeah, not necessarily the case. What was the other power you were going to talk about, Jay? 
I feel, I mean, it's not always important, but I feel like Barrier is kind yeah. of almost assumed right now. I mean, at the very least, I mean, you're either playing Molecule Man, you're playing Marvella. Or the, I feel like, I mean, I don't know how good, it, I mean, equipment's usability is kind of iffy right now, but just the fact that you have the zero ring. is just Yeah, so I guess, I guess let's just say which powers are on this list because I want to mention some of them and it's going to be confusing if we don't know all of them um tk perplex empower slash enhancement prob outwit leadership barrier or what we have at the moment i was going to say that out of this list barrier and empower enhancement are the two least important i think um with outwit as an argument at the moment but that's so tough right like <laughs> i think i honestly i have barrier as like the second most important thing because oh, yeah? the game is so alpha strikey. I mean, it is. That for sure. If you go second, you can't afford to not have barrier or you're losing something. Yeah, it's true. So, like, it's it's yeah, so I mean, tough for me to build without barrier in the con- in the current game. Even with Molecule Man able to just clear it out. Like, it's just, man. Yeah, I, don't know, I was I don't kind see of myself thinking of, like, barrier. Tyler's animals that don't have barrier and that kind of team. But uh, definitely a large percentage of them need it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, depending on what map you're playing, you could just make Barrier just extremely oppressive. Like, Otherworld with Barrier just sounds yep. like a complete nightmare. That's or, been, like, my I mean, go-to map since it's been back in Modern. I hate yeah, I that noticed. <laughs> I love it. It's yeah. an interesting map. Or the I obvious super already blocking maps, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Negative I mean, is obviously ridiculous with Barrier. Yeah, I mean, if your if your team isn't built properly, barrier can be a lose position. Like, if your team can't handle being put on a negative zone, I send my flash out, I kill something that's higher points than him, and I bury. Like, that's just that's just a win condition, theoretically. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can get yeah, Malky Man could at least put five out of turn or two Marvellas or whatever. It's 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 not expensive. Adam likes to say that it's either useless or, or too good, and it's definitely too good right now. Yep. Yeah, and that, barrier, that's honestly a perfect way to put it. It either does absolutely nothing for you, or it decides the game. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting power in that way. Also, because maps are more important now than they've been, and I mean, I feel like it's it's generally true now. It's been for a couple of years, but I don't know. Versus a couple of years ago, just maps are a big thing. So. Being able to manipulate that terrain is even more important. We definitely saw a lot of people um, go to the same maps, and especially one particular map of WWE Arena. That I think that just comes back to people are lazy. Like, look, <laughs> yeah. like Tyler, Tyler, I'm calling you out, buddy. He <laughs> only brought uh, Glengrove because he just didn't want to think about it. Like, if you only have the one map and it's wide open, you don't actually have to do anything. You're just playing against your opponent. You're not playing against the terrain. Which I think takes a lot of the fun out of it, but that's okay. Always put three build three maps on your sheet, even if you never. Yeah, that really pisses me off. Like, like two it's objectively wrong. Like it's literally objectively wrong to not use a free resource. I don't know. Like, right. People will say, "Oh, well, I'm using a location. I'm never going to pick anything else." I'm like, "Really? I'm just you're that <laughs> I, lazy." I you're always tell just, people, like, Pick, put maps on your build sheet that you don't want to play on because it at least makes your opponent like, hmm, they've maybe practiced on that map. Maybe I don't want to do that. Yeah, put your third map like your least favorite map in the game. Just Exactly. So like, you know you're not going to go there. Maybe it deters them from taking you there. I don't know. Like, 
so I think um, Outwit is actually a really interesting discussion right now. Yep. So Outwit has historically been one of the more important powers in the game. I don't know that that's currently true. I put it on here anyway, but I sort of think that it's sort of at its low. It's tough because it's another one of those things kind of like barrier, right? It's in the matchups where you really games. want it, it like decide it can decide the game for you. Because yeah. like outwit is the reason I do I do so well with robots is because of sinister. Mm-hmm. Like I can outwit whatever it is that they're going to use to attack me. Like sky tyrants charge. Um, I, I was outwitting and meters, stealth so busting long range outwit is significantly better than non stealth right. busting six range outwit. It's it's just <laughs> about like knowing. Outwit is probably the most complex power in HeroClix. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's easy to outwit their defense and hit them. But, like, if you can use the outwit to control the entire game, it can really take your gameplay to the next level. But if their team's all protected outwit, then it just doesn't do anything for you. Like, Sinister is just worthless in the matchups where I can't outwit. I have to just hope that my Herald dial spins up enough for him to be relevant. Yeah, at least when people were playing, like, you know, Unseen to Counter Vulture and stuff, you had... ID cards to back to fall back on for right. him to give him something to do, and now it's like, okay, well, I have this forty point figure that I guess maybe does something. Yep. I feel like yeah, I feel like since they shifted like the name of Power Cosmic and Quintessence to Cosmic Energy to make it generic, it feels like they're printing it more. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> they're Just like, oh, I guess it's a, it's it, it's an easier sell to license the licensors, maybe I don't know, but. Or just from a flavor perspective. Well, I honestly yeah. just like that it's they made it clean. Because why did we have three team abilities that did the exact same thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So also outwit... now willpower. I feel like they they probably want to print willpower more just because it's yep. really really good. So. Yep. Yeah. So outwit, I think we agree, is at its best on figures that are mobile, um, hard to like, just kill immediately to get rid of it, and have potentially the ability to um, see through stealth so that they can get it off more frequently. And and it's also something that's like super welcome on pieces that have so much else going for them. Yeah. Like it's on sky. And it's on high evolutionary on stop click. Like it's on three pieces that are like the three of the top five pieces in modern right now, easily. Yeah. It's definitely a great bonus. (laughs) Also, the uh, the Atwood Flash is underrated, I would uh, have to say. Yeah, I have been surprised not to see more of him. Yeah. I mean, the part of the three things that I said, the one that he doesn't qualify for is hard to kill to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, but also, I don't know. I feel like if you have to, I don't know, for 20 points, I mean, you're going to have to sink. I mean, you shouldn't have to sink more than one attack into a 20 point piece. I don't know. If I'm building a team and I end up with no outwit and no exploit or penetrating psychic blast, I think I'm probably unhappy. Yeah, yeah. that just shouldn't happen. Like it, that 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 just means that you can't deal with powers. You just can't deal with Dark Phoenix. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, you can't kill Dark Phoenix. It's really hard to kill a bunch of the different dooms. Like. You're just sort of in a bad shape, in bad shape against a number of things that are highly played. So I don't think that any of my builds really start with an outwit piece, um, but not infrequently something that's good on them anyway will have it. 
or there will be a spot on the team that can be used for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think right now you're just kind of getting it on any team you're playing just yeah. by playing something good. Like, yeah. I mean, when you're playing for, when you're playing yeah, the X-Men I mean, stuff, like Gene has it. And then if you want to swap out, you have Bishop that has it. You have yep. like, there are a bunch of things that are good. You're, in this you're also just getting these hyper, like these hyper efficient support pieces that just do a bunch of different things. Like when you play the charge flash and the, and the TK flash, you have a really, you know, low, low cost charge piece. You have a, a TK that's even better. Prob, uh, leadership, wild cards for what it's worth. Like, you should just be and like we talk about high evolutionary a lot, but you know just and it, he's actually I guess I don't know I don't know if you're playing him more for the prob or for the attacking, but you, you just have both, right? Like yeah, he, that's, like that's the thing. he just is both. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. like you're not playing him for one or the other. You're playing him because he has both. <laughs> right. It's, it's yeah. A I mean, it used to be that a 25 point prob piece that didn't do anything else was good, and now you have the 30 point prob piece with a stop click that attacks. <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, before you might have had to play Oz for 40, but now you can kind of play him for half of that. Yeah, or you just play him as well. Yeah, I mean, we used to get a lot of 25-point perplex, but I feel like it's almost, that's not what you see as much now. It's more the pieces that do a lot of stuff, like... Yeah, I'm going to leave... So I'm going to leave perplex and prob for last, I think, because I think... um, they sort of go together in the discussion. So let's let's talk about them together at the end. Um, empower slash enhancement. So obviously there are teams where these are like required, like um, Tyler's Animals, which we keep using as an example for various things. If you don't have those two Gorilla Grods for 10 points that have Empower, the team just does not function. It can't get through Barrier very well. <laughs> it can't get through Barrier. It can't, like, there's a bunch of stuff that it wants to be able to kill that it has a very hard time actually killing like invulnerability becomes a problem <laughs> exactly yeah or just I mean, like, yeah considering you're calling like, in dials become a problem <laughs> yeah. you have to bring in the exploit one and then you're dealing two damage and that's it right <laughs> yep. yeah especially when you want poison i mean yeah when you're when your main attackers are just doing two damage that's a problem yeah. and yeah, then you and also but then you also have the option to have the uh i don't know i it would be fun if he ever did it. I don't know if he ever did, but being able to have a four damage or three or four damage um, uh, catcher's mid or whatever it's called. I uh, can't up. have its stats modified. Can't do that. Yeah. Uh, that would be yeah. cheating, Jay. <laughs> it's true. That's true. Um, yeah, so empower and enhancement on that team are like required. If you built the team without them, you are wrong and you should rebuild it. Um, but... There are if you're if all of your figures have four printed damage or psychic blast and three printed damage, then how necessary is having a power enhancement on your team? I mean, like it can't be repla- replaced because... by perplex anymore, which is like the big reason why this is now has come more to the forefront than it used to be. Well, those are weird because you have to position for them. I I think enhancement is significantly more important than empower. But just mainly because Empower is hard to position. Like, if you're not playing, like, dedicated Alpha Strike, your Empower is usually not where you need it to be. Um, Yeah. Again, like, we have a couple good pieces that have Empower. Like, Grodd is good. uh, Nathaniel Richards is good. Like, but I think if you're playing... I I don't know. I don't feel like there's anything in the game right now, short of Maggot Pogs, that need Empower. 
Like, we have tons of great charge pieces, but I don't feel like Flash needs five damage, or I don't yeah. feel like Sky Tyrant needs more damage. Like, they all do what they do very well without Empower. Right. Yeah, unless it, you're using it, your Flash you as a taxi for your Alpha Strike team. Correct. You yeah. could probably deal with Code Empower on those teams. Yeah, but even if you do want, like, think you want that, you just do the Power Gem, so it's not really a problem. Yeah. If it's and one you, have, you have a light object. And, like, so I think, it, like, Empower and Enhancement differ in, like, playability based on the meta, because it looks, you got to look at math. Like, what are you playing? Can you one-shot things or hit them onto powers that aren't relevant? Like, you never want to hit a Sky Tyrant for three. You either hit them for one, two, or four. Like, that's just it. Like, so do you need the Empower or Enhancement to make that happen? I mean, you not to hit for one, obviously, but... Um, to get yeah. the one shot. If all of right now, if all of your figures are dealing two, then an empower or enhancement means that you kill a lot more things. Actually, I think the more I think about it, I think actually two damage is other than being not enough for barrier. I think two damage is actually really good in modern right now because yeah, it kills like, flashes at least. It kills flashes. It put it does everything to Hayibo that it's going to do except for through the invincible. Um, it hit it two hits to kill Sky Tyrant is the same as hitting him for three. Like, and, like yeah, it's really I just I think two is probably fine. Yeah, uh, other than like the invincible and stuff. Obviously, you want to be able to get through reducers. You don't build a yeah. whole team with two damage. That's just not something. That you do. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think like the meta could shift, right? Like we might go from uh like to a five click figure that is the best figure in the format. Now all of a sudden you have to reevaluate your team on if you can deal with a five click figure effectively. And that might change if you want your empower or your enhancement. Like you, your team needs to be something that can evolve. Yeah, I mean yeah, the new the new figure that has like depth of dial is Amber Gladiator anyway, so yeah. that's more a puzzle than anything, so Right. Yeah, like Black. I mean, if you could just deal him seven, that's really good. But that's you know really yeah. anything. Yeah, um, yeah, anything you hit for seven is good. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad that we don't. <laughs> the, the best thing about No Cyclops is that you don't have to hear hit it for six anymore. Yep, and that's six yeah. ten with precision. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, empowering enhancement definitely um, meta dependent. Definitely depends on the team that you're building. Uh, Depending on how good your attacking stats are, they can be really important or not important at all. Um, it, I think when the Perplex change was announced, it seemed like they would end up being even more important than they have ended up being, because Perplex for damage was something you did fairly frequently. Yep. But it turns out that Perplex for just damage isn't necessarily something you want even if you would have used perplex on damage in some it has to also be positioned exactly where you need it to yeah. be yeah for sure which is usually yeah. not in an okay place <laughs> <laughs> i would like to stand in the middle of the map wait no i, I didn't okay that's <laughs> the only way i can make that attack i guess i'll do it <laughs> yeah not to mention that dials are just shorter now like yeah. what on tyler's team magata five clicks Hammer has four. Like six. Who has six? Oh yeah, I forgot about Hammerai. But like, yeah, I, just, so. oh, I mean, a lot of the figures we're talking about, like Retaliators are one. You know, 
flashes hyper too. Like there's just a lot of really low ones. Yeah, like well, and again, hammer eyes six, but he also has no damage reducers. So like, <laughs> you just hit him twice. Yeah, like he's High he's yes, he's six foot feet, but he's not. <laughs> yeah. So um, then we have telekinesis, which has always been one of the best powers in the game. Yep. It sort of does something unique, which is make it so that you have way more reach than any of your figures could by themselves. Like, the only thing that does something similar is a bunch of perplexes on movement, and it's not really the same thing. Yeah, this is the third power I look for when I'm building. It goes leadership, then barrier, then TK. <laughs> and then the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, I don't... TK in your build, or is that, I guess that's a reality gem. Me? Yeah. I have spin ring. Um, yeah, you have equipment. Yeah, you don't. You have equipment. Yeah, yeah I mean, I that's agree. also yeah. just it's it's easy to get. Right, it's five points. You yeah, know? TK and is five points. And if they come up, if they come up and destroy it, that sucks. But I also had the excess spec, so I did have two sources of TK. But True. yeah, yeah. I mean, again, all you can get all these powers for twenty points or less, like, and they're all you know reasonable figures. Like, obviously, if you build a whole team. I mean, if you build a team without them and you don't have room for all these figures, your team is still a problem because you don't have the powers. But none of these powers are extremely expensive. Like, what? Even, yeah, even regardless of equipment, like... No, none of it. 20 points or less for all of these? Everything is... You can get all of it for 20 or less. Yeah. Yeah, so telekinesis is so important because it's your reach. Like... There are a lot of teams that you will face that if you don't have telekinesis, and they do, um, they are both getting the first attack every time and potentially making it impossible for you to retaliate. Yep. Like, so, you know, you don't have a telekinesis. Your opponent has a telekinesis and somebody who has running shot psychic blast. They TK them forward six, run forward four, shoot you, walk up with another figure, carry them back, put a barrier in front or something, and you can't do anything because you don't have the reach. Right. Whereas yeah, if you I mean, had telekinesis, you get to TK something up to break the barrier, make an attack, something like that. Like, movement is really important in this game. It's part of the reason that Colossal Retaliation has been so strong for so long, because the map matters. <laughs> Except when it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, TK is giving you a quarter of the map's reach. Like... Yeah. Or more if you're on a 4 by 4 like... Yeah. And not to mention that there are now multiple options of characters that TK plus... Uh, some movement. Yeah. Like, Oz is still getting <laughs> What a figure flashes. I mean, I'm trying right. not to mention that specifically, but also that. Um, <laughs> this is also not essential, but I feel like it's worth mentioning. Well, like, current willpower, new willpower, it's just kind of a big deal. Yeah, so new willpower is something different i think it's something that makes me look at a figure and think that that figure is better but i don't think it's something that i need to have one of on my team no you don't play a figure because of it it's just like such a big deal i didn't want to not mention it as far as the standard powers go it's just it is an important power yes but it is not important as a no one it all on your team (laughs) no definitely not it does make things that are giant more feasible yeah. Like, that's what I think, honestly, like, a problem with tent poles right now is that they're not 
They should all have great size willpower. <laughs> like, all of them. Even if they're not giant, give them great size. Yeah, the, that giant willpower is really good. Oh, yeah. It's what makes Giganta amazing. Like, I mean, other than the One fact that she's just good. Things. <laughs> yeah, not the only thing that makes Giganta amazing, but definitely one of the things that makes Giganta amazing. Um, yeah, so now we're coming to the last two powers, which I wanted to talk about together because um, they do quite similar things. We have Perplex and we have Probability Control. They both make it easier for you to hit attacks and harder for your opponent to hit attacks, depending on how you use them. Um, and those two things are usually very important. We have seen notable teams in the past that contain neither of those things and still manage to be successful. Um, mostly Tyler's Wales is what I'm thinking of, but <laughs> by and large, and I mean, I guess any Shredder's team and stuff, things that don't roll dice or roll so many dice. That yeah, but I, I uh, got top four at Nationals with no proper perplex. Playing, or I guess I had one perplex, sorry. With the uh, soldiers. Yeah. I mean, what team? missing that missing attacks in that last game got lost you the game, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I missed six attacks, and I just played bad. You also like, had, I, but you also had pseudo prob, so it's like not quite the same. Only if I missed by one or two, and I, I just I played really bad that game. Like after I rewatched it, I saw like another line of play that was just better, and I raged at myself. But no, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Don't yeah, that always happens. When you lose, you're like, man, I got really unlucky. And then you think back on the game and you're like, I also made a ton of mistakes. <laughs> no, I, and like the line of play wasn't even complicated. Like it wasn't some super complex, obscure thing. It was just like, oh, yeah, I should have done that first. Whoops. Yeah, I once lost a game because I forgot that uh, Magneto had the place of character, oh. the 2 by 2 Magneto. And yeah. I would break away a bunch of times and missed all of them. Oh, so no. I both got really unlucky because I missed like four breakaways in a roll, but also didn't need to roll the breakaways. So. Yeah, you just <laughs> bumped them away from you and then just did everything you wanted to do. Yeah. I that thought you were going to mention uh, Zatara. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I yeah, just that. forgetting that you have prob is not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> Probably don't do that. Uh. But, uh, I mean... I lost a lot more than one game because of that. Uh, yeah, so I think that these two powers tie in really well with the next section, um, which is math. Uh, basically, how you should think about your team as you're building it. it partially is, like, what do I need to hit? What are my percentages of hitting? Can I get rid of a bunch of powers that would make it less likely that I hit? Um, what do opponents need to hit me? What, what are my defense values like? That kind of stuff. Uh, and perplex and prob are a little bit contextual in that they are just generally important because bigger numbers are pretty much always better. Like, I mean, if at the point that you're getting to like 16 attack or something, not that anybody has 13 printed to do that, I don't think then it matters less, but in general, needing a four is much better than needing a five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Every team has perplex and prob, basically. Um, it's just an important part of the game, the ability to manipulate dice. The game is a dice game, but it's less about just sort of, did I happen to roll well than some people think it is when they first start? Because there are so many things that you can do to mitigate it by having better stats than you uh, than you do by default with perplex and being able to re-roll a bunch of times with prob and that kind of stuff. So... 
Yeah, I mean, you also kind of, have to set up the situations where you make the attack where you need the numbers. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, sometimes your opponent can just miss everything and you win. Like, that can happen. That definitely has happened. But, like, you're, you or can't... hit everything and you lose. Like, it doesn't matter if you have loaded dice. Like, I mean, obviously, should, but if you have loaded dice, it doesn't matter if you can't make the attacks that are important to win the game, right? Like, you need to have the actual positioning and have the game state where you have lines of play to win. So. I mean, I also think that, I mean, they're both pretty important, but I would definitely go with uh, Probo for Perplex. But you should have both. Yeah. Yeah, figuring out whether any particular instance of prob is better than any particular instance of perplex can partially be done by doing the math to figure out whether it would increase your chances of hitting more to perplex your attack up by one or to have an extra prob. But also, prob is both an offensive and defensive power, and perplex is either an offensive or defensive power, which is quite different. Yeah, I mean, you also have to position for probs, so yeah, you just like that is also a, a you can have a prob in your starting area, but if you're perplexing up a character that's going across the map, that it doesn't matter. So, yeah, yeah. Generally, I think you want a, a mix of those two powers. Um, having only probs or only perplexes probably isn't usually as good as having a mix of them, but it depends on the team that you're building. I also realized I should have shared uh, Adam's uh, math document with you. That would have been helpful. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, just a, a spreadsheet of combat math. Right. Yeah, so I did make a quick um, combat math calculator, which uh, will be in the description of the episode because I thought it was interesting, mostly. Um, I think my math is right, but I could be wrong. I sort of assumed that oppositional probs canceled each other, um, but that may not be totally accurate. No, they, they do. <laughs> if it's yeah. the same number of probs for and against, it's it they offset each other in the math. That that's that was my assumption, so it's what I went with. But I didn't, you know, go read any academic papers on oppositional probs since I don't think they exist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so if we're just like thinking about math, um, one of I, I think it's really interesting to talk about how you should think about math while you're building your team, because this is something that I do fairly frequently, is I figure out which of my figures are likely to be making attacks the most often, and how many probs and how many perplexes I'm likely to both be able to and want to use on those attacks, um, and then figure out how likely my attack is to be successful against a significant percentage of the field. So you can if choose your primary attacker. Let's say it's a high evolutionary, for example, has 11 attack, has prob itself. So you'll probably end up using its prob on its own attack. And you have one perplex, so it's 12 attack. And then you're trying to figure out against a bunch of opposing things that end up with like 19 defense or something, what's your actual percentage chance of hitting that attack? And if you drop something else on your team for something else that has prob to be able to use it, Are you? how much more likely are you to actually hit? And you can do that defensively as well, figuring that your opponent will have 11 or 12 attack and then trying to figure out how frequently you get to dodge their attack attempts. Um, I, I think feel like these days you're probably... 
looking for sevens or eights a lot of the time, I feel like you're not. I mean, outside of hitting like really low point, whatever, I feel like you're not gonna I feel like the variance is probably not gonna be much above or below that. Like elevens on eighteens, there's some twelves. You know, you might. I mean, we have a fair amount of like you can see some uh, seventeen energy shield, like sky tyrant. Uh, you probably have some refluxes in there. Or and eleven on nineteen against, and, and like eleven on nineteen with a prob is not good odds. <laughs> that should not be your goal. <laughs> no, that is a is an eight. An eight with a an eight with a prob four is favorable odds. Slightly. Oh, need, needing an eight? Yeah, that's sixty five percent. Yeah, it's it's actually fairly favorable. <laughs> like if you have one four and none against, like. I, I'll make that attack. I mean, you again, oh, you I mean, build, like you said, you don't build for that, but you, yeah. you it's acceptable odds. Like you, you make that attack. Like, yeah, something yeah. that we'll talk about in the um, tactic section when we get there is uh, that you should do the best move available to you, not only objectively good moves. If your right. best attack is thirty percent to succeed, then you make that attack because it's better. And not making an attack, depending on if it is in that situation. You don't go, eh, that's pretty unlikely. Oh, well, go. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you might hit so, it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, an okay. eight, needing an eight with a prob four is not, you know, 100% odds, but if it's your best attack, then sure, go do it. It's, I mean, 66% is 66%. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. Also, just in general, like, every prob, I, I mean, up to a certain point, like, probs, like, do matter a lot. Like, if you go from uh, needing a 7 with no probs in favor to 1, you go from 58% to 82. Yep. Like, that's huge. Yeah, a reroll is really good. Like, yeah, from going from down or low is, uh, is pretty major. Like, yeah, if you need a 7, you go from uh, 58%. 82 percent and then surprisingly i mean then you go another 10 percent so if you're telling me that i have a 92 percent chance to hit a seven i'm inclined to you know try for that seven i just want to say looking at your your graph here shows that needing a five with a prob four is a 97 percent chance and i lost a national title on that i just want to say point that out <laughs> wow <laughs> on a less than three percent attack variance yeah, but it, nonetheless. yeah <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody's done that kind of thing. I had a five with two probs for to make it past top eight in Canadian Nationals the year you won and didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen Jason Collins have a, game horribly. a five with two in favor. Like, that happens. You know, it people, does, and it yeah. sucks. I, I played a game the other day where my opponent, like, crit missed, like, three times in one turn, including, like, back-to-back. Like, you know, stuff happens. But. I mean, I wonder what Patricia's not getting crit with two probs against percentage was when I won Canadian Nationals. <laughs> Rolling a crit with two probs against? I don't think my calculator does that very well. <laughs> yeah, uh, it does. It's not designed. It is point zero zero two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, pretty lucky. Um, yeah. So things that you should think about include like so if you're thinking about your team's defenses um when it comes to how many perplexes and probs you're including 
and just I mean stat modifiers. We're using perplex as a shorthand for things that change your stats. Of course, like there's the emotional modifier right now, which changes everybody's stats, um, which isn't technically a perplex, but is even better than it when you're considering your defenses and stuff, right? Um, so, for example, with Tyler's animals, he had like on any particular attack, he probably had like three probs and like a 19 defense. <laughs> You have to have reasonable odds of dodging the attack if those are your odds, right? Compared to if you just have an 18 defense and one prob against, like a lot of teams would. Yeah, well, if you had a lot of 18s better. and then a plus two perplex. Yeah, I mean, the particular character they used the plus two perplex on was just like not getting hit. <laughs> it's like plus three defense effectively and then a ton of probs. Yeah. Yeah, that is a lot. Emotional modifier is really good. Yeah, I mean, not to mention getting rid of Aurora is, uh, you know, major because it takes away a uh, one-third chance to your attack not going through. Like yeah, the dice calculator cool. that I did also does rollouts, um, so you can figure out how much an opponent having a rollout or two affects your stats, your chances to hit, which the answer is a lot. <laughs> Yeah, what are the odds of, like, if you, it's, like, ridiculous. If you need, like, a 7 with two rollouts against, it's, like, a 33% chance to hit or something silly? Less uh, than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's something really yeah. absurd. It, uh, needing a 7 to hit with, when they have one rollout is a 38% down from the, like, 58 that needing a 7 is. Yeah, it checks out. It's a lot worse. <laughs> you should try to get rid of rollouts if you can. Yep. Especially like 50-50 rollouts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my calculator actually does do 50-50 rollouts yeah. because some of those exist right now and I thought it would be useful. Um, it doesn't do a mix of 50-50 and non-50-50 rollouts because that sounded too difficult to code in this right. domain-specific language I randomly decided to use. Um, <laughs> but it does do 50-50 rollouts and yeah, those are pretty bad. But like, I think a lot of people can figure out what the, how much worse their chances are for a 50-50 better than they can for a 60-30. Yeah. So um, I think another big point talking about math is um, so a big reason I, I wanted to play robots is um, I created my own little terminology here called uh, ATT, all caps, right? Attacks to table. <laughs> how many attacks does it take for your team to get table? And table is a other wargaming terminology, meaning you have no figures left. Um, that's something else that you can compensate for with math is, like, if you don't have a high damage output or good combat values, but it takes, you know, like, the team I played took an, an average of 26 attacks to table me. So, <laughs> I got, I have, you know, like, I have time when most other teams are significantly lower. Um so, but in, in the way you would calculate that, um, you take what you believe, it, it's a lot of estimation, what you believe yeah. the average damage value is per attack in the current meta. I did it at four. Probably like three-ish. Oh, yeah, four. Okay. I, yeah, I ran it at four just for a good even number. Sure. Um, because, like, it's actually, like, 3.68 or something if you average out, like, the amount of power gems that get played, objects being used in attacks and all that crap. Fair. Um doesn't hurt to estimate a little high too to yeah exactly a yeah. i mean just by default problem. yeah i mean just flash with an object alone 
So exactly, he he is one attack or he is two attacks for seven damage. Like so that's why like he is a three point five. Like, um, but like you could technically do point fives if you were doing it enough with math. Yeah, you can. I was just lazy because it wasn't a smooth three point five. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but like that's that's an important thing to note is how many how many attacks it takes for your team to die and how many attacks the average team in the meta takes to die. Um, going into the clicks cup, the answer was like 18, 17. And so with my team being at 26, I felt significantly favorable. Yeah. So to do all of this math, you have to have some reasonable idea of what's actually being played, Um, which is probably easier when you're going to a really big tournament like the clicks cup than it is going to a random local as assuming that you don't know people what people there play generally um if i go to a random local i'm pretty likely to know what almost everybody there is playing because i know them all and have helped build their teams but (laughs) uh, well yes and no i mean not not literally everybody i mean no but a a large percentage of the the field the 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 fact that you know people's teams kind of gets a a little bit balanced out by the uh, the jank factor (laughs) depending on where you live like in Canada, you're more likely to play against Jank. <laughs> I think that's kind of true anywhere local, right? Yeah. Like where people just play and have Jank fun. Jank doesn't necessarily mean actually bad in this context. It just it can mean stuff that's random. Like sometimes everybody just, decides you know, to play I, the new Captain Marvel chase from the <laughs> movies. Yeah, I mean sometimes right. there there might be a random team that just beats you that you did not expect. Yeah. It's not. Like, what are you gonna do against Triple Firstborn, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, stuff happens. Random, like, random stuff, man. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like, but you just, what you do is you account for what you can account for. Yeah. Um, especially, and, like, another thing to do is if, like, say you're doing the math for your team and you have a super favorable matchup, you can ignore that in your math calculations, right? And and if you want to start basic, do math on the bad matchups and make your math better there. And then you inherently just become better at your already good matchups. Yeah, and in terms of building for matchup, it's okay to not be good against everything. <laughs> it's almost impossible to be. Exactly. Like, a lot of people I, mean, I, I see trying to... Sorry. If, it, if there's a team that's good against everything, that means that, that that's a problem. Yeah. Yep. And I, I do see a lot of people trying to, like, to, rejecting teams, basically, for the reason that there's something they can think of that they lose to. But unless you expect that to be 25% of the field, then, okay, sure, you maybe lose to it if you face it. And no matchup in Heroclix, almost no matchup, not like, you know, I mean, there's like one-man armies versus teams that can barrier entirely into their starting area. But almost any matchup in Heroclix is like, at worst, like 70-30 kind of thing. Yep. Like, there are exceptions, of course, like, you know, the current scientist team against Vulture when Vulture was good would have been not that good of a matchup <laughs> yep. but but for the most part you're you're having you know not a zero percent chance to win there's enough luck involved and enough little positioning things you can do right. to make your matchup not the worst exactly like there's so many variables past like the second turn of the game that mm-hmm. that anything can happen like you can have a an almost an auto win matchup for you that you've you've tested against it over and over and you've never lost and then you miss and then all of a sudden you lose like, that's all it takes, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's just, yeah. I mean, there's so many factors. Like, your opponent doesn't play perfectly. Like, even if they played it a lot, like, maybe they don't know what your team is. Maybe 
don't know, like bad luck happens. Like, I don't know. You could be playing an unthemed team versus a themed team and you could still win. Yeah. There are matchups like that they're like, heavily on yeah. map too, right? Like oh, if you oh, win yeah. map, you're favored sixty percent, and if you lose map, you're unfavored sixty percent. Or like, even just going first, not even necessarily the map itself. Like uh, you know, if you're looking at like the Secret Six mirror match, it's a it any sort of Alpha Strike mirror, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be a fifty-fifty if you think about it just on paper, right? It's the same exact team, but then it's not because it's it's ninety ten to whoever wins match. I mean, it's a fi- it's a it's a fifty-fifty for who wins map. <laughs> exactly, that's right. But that's and then like the matchup just swings completely completely one sided. It should be a guaranteed win for whoever goes first. Yeah, that team doesn't have great access to barrier. No, it has to play zero ring, and that's yeah. and if you go second, there's no guarantee that <laughs> it's gonna matter. Like mm-hmm. you get like three, like you get a few squares of barrier out, but they can probably get through it. Well, yeah. so, uh, before I forget, uh, you shouldn't like not play a team because of one bad matchup. But if your team has a problem, if like if you are like an auto lose against the g- current gatekeeper build, that's a problem. Yeah, there are some one bad matchups that you should not play a team because of. Like, there was a long time where if your team had a bad matchup against Vulture, you couldn't play it. Yep. Same because thing with somebody was going to bring Vulture. It was both a pretty good team and the cheapest team to purchase. Yep. You can build so Vulture for, like, playing. sub-100. Yeah, exactly. So there were a ton of, like, reasonably new players playing it. And if your team, even if you didn't think that Vulture was the best team at the time, people were going to be bringing it. So you can't play a team that auto-loses to it. Yep. Yeah, like right now, if you just auto lose to Secret Six, you're just that's not that's not good. If so that doesn't mean that your team is bad, but you should probably figure out you know outs to it. That's the thing. Like, I don't know. I when in Heroclix, there definitely are established teams. Like people will play like stuff. Like a lot of the time, after something's played once, you kind of know what the environment is, so you should be able to plan against it. Like, yes, a build can be like too good and impressive, but you should be able to plan against it, which is. And you can at the very well, least plan against specific figures that you know are good, even if not entire teams. Yeah, well, that's what I kind of like about the game, where people will just play the good build, and that just gives me the opportunity to counter build. Like, when I was building my current team, I was figuring, oh, I want to be plus 10 because I know that the Secret Six teams are going to be plus 7. Like, that's just a fact. Like, just having that information is good to have. Yep. And then you know, you know exactly what they're playing, and you could build around it, so... You should be able to mitigate weaknesses against, like, you might still have a bad matchup, but at least you can mitigate it, especially because, I guess, in this game, like, the teams are kind of solved. Like, it's the Secret Six team, pretty much. You know, the robots team, absent, I don't know how many more Superman robots you want to add, it's kind of solved, so. I mean, there are a lot of teams that change quite a bit, but there are, like, best builds of various keywords. Yeah. Like, I don't think that so. I could... I, I've thought a lot about how to build animals, and uh, I'm not doing better than Tyler did. <laughs> right, I, exactly. Like, there might be different ones, but... At a certain I've thought point. a lot about robots, and until the new robots were legal, I don't think that anything was better than PJ's build. Right. We'll see. Welcome, yeah. and... Uh, <laughs> I've put, I've put so Gosh. many hours into that team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've been playing robots for a long time now and just, like, switching yeah. it up as new things get released and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So It's always cool to see when there's a team that's developed over that kind of time period and play-tested a lot. All right. Uh, so the next one is sort of a, a weird little category because it's weird because I don't actually have great advice for it. 
Um, so it's how to identify synergy between figures. So this is another way to approach uh, building a team. Um, so we've talked a little bit about building to make sure that you have all of the correct powers and to have your math right. And we're going to talk about eventually um, building for theme and building for a particular team archetype. But there's another thing you can do, which is pick a figure that you know is good and try to build the best team to take advantage of that figure's strengths. So one example of this, and I'm sure you guys have other examples, is um, when I spent like a couple of months trying to build the best team that I could where Surter was the primary attacker. Surter was like the best attacker in the game. It could deal six, ignoring all of your defense powers, but he couldn't actually attack, <laughs> which was the problem. <laughs> so I had to figure out ways to make it so that Surter could attack. So I ended up playing stuff that my opponent couldn't kill in one hit with IDs or ignore, so that they had to attack him, like Daredevil. Um, and then I played Starro Grandmaster, so that my opponent couldn't ignore my Surters, because I would just make them attack a Starro fight with Grandmaster and then retaliate on them. <laughs> Stuff like that, um, where you've started with a figure and you've ended up with a team that probably doesn't look like pretty much anything else that anybody else has built. Although the Starro Grandmaster one was clearly inspired by Nate's Mancog Grandmaster team. Uh, but it optimizes for the strengths of that particular piece. Um, and there are some obvious things that I can say, which is like, just figure out what the figure needs to be successful and then do that. But that's. That is the exact advice you should give, Devin. Like, right? <laughs> look for the weakness on the piece that you want to play and solve for it. It's... Yeah. And that's great advice, except that if you're new to team building, how do you do that? And I think, and I've written here, it requires a lot of practice and play testing. Exactly. It's kind of a difficult way to build, to start building. It's not really what I would recommend doing for like new players necessarily, unless you have access to a lot of more experienced players to give you advice because it's not easy. <laughs> this should be like the last part of the building process, right? Like you take a shell, you get, you do, you play all the support powers, you build a theme if you want it to be theme, and then you see what that team as a whole is missing. Like, am I getting hit by energy explosion? So maybe I want to shift to more ESD. Am I, do I need to spread out more? Like, like things to look for, you're going to find by playing it way more than looking at it on paper, right? Like, now, once you become more experienced, you start to see what you need more on paper. But before that point, just play it. Like, that's the best, you know... The yeah, best you may have you heard really good players talk about having built player, built teams the night before and played them for the first time the morning of the tournament and stuff. And that is a thing you can do and you can be successful, but you're probably going to have a much better chance of building a good team if you've playtested it a bunch of times. Well, and, and even the people who are building a team the night before, they're probably playing effects that are very similar to other effects they've played with a lot. Um, so like or at least to things about, that other people have done. <laughs> but, well, when we get into talking about archetypes, right? If you've played one alpha, you've played them all. They may, they may function a little differently, but the end goal is the same. So as long as you understand, I need to get my team over there and attack you as many times as possible. It's not hard to shift to a different Alpha Strike team if you're experienced with that type of team. Yeah, a team that I ended up building the night before and playing for like 
one practice game was the one that I ended up winning Canadian Nationals with, which was Double Trader Gardener. And that is not a team that I recommend anybody attempting to pick up in a day. <laughs> that team was not easy to figure out how to play incredibly quickly. Well, and, and so another thing like there is it has a lot of moving parts, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, so sometimes it, it just takes play to, you know, move to the next cog in the wheel. Like, you may understand it at the baseline, but then, like, and, and I still do this, like, with, like, I've played uh, 150 reps with robots easily in competitive events, and I was still learning stuff at the Clicks Cup about how I should be playing it, because, like, just certain lines you'll never see, and you're like, oh, man, I should have been doing this the whole time. And like, you face just, something weird, and it's like, oh, well, now my usual I, lines don't work, and I have to do something completely different. <laughs> Yeah, you, it's good that you mentioned lines because also when you're building or whatever, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you should probably have uh, have it in mind when you like are playing the team together, or whatever. But you like generally want to have lines of play. Like you, you should have an idea of what you are doing with the team. Like you sit down. Like if, obviously, if you went, like you, you have a game plan. You know what you're doing. Like a lot of the time, when I've had a team that was good and I practice it, like generally speaking. You should be able to do the first turn and like not to think about it really. Like you should just know. Yep. Barring like you just have to know what your team's doing. And also, not to mention like you mentioned complicated teams. Like even if you can play a complicated team, you probably want to know what it does before because you don't want to have to learn it the day of because that'll just take a lot of stamina. Like, you don't want to have games where you're like having to think and figure it out when you're planning on having a like what? the very least, you should be planning for, what, 10 rounds to win Worlds? Yeah. At least? That's that sounds right. So, you, yeah, you want to, like, not this, completely... Yeah. Like, Adam, Adam wrote an article about that. He had um, uh, 2018 uh, Rock Cup. He had a team that he liked, uh, Angel Sam Cap, whatever, where it was good, and he thought it was the best team in the format. But for himself, he felt like he could not play it and get to the point later in the day where he would still be okay to play. Decision like, fatigue is a win. real thing. Yeah. So instead, he let other like other people play that team because they could handle it, but he played something simple. Where he played, you know, my lockjaw because yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a person yeah, I mean, who plays probably, incredibly complicated yeah. teams, and I have definitely lost <clears throat> tournaments to being tired later in the day and just making stupid mistakes because my team has forty thousand moving parts and yep. I forgot one of them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you have ten figure teams, you have to figure out you know, four actions in a turn. That's a lot. So, like my my Canadian Nationals winning team, I forgot to heal my Flores every game. That was the thing to forget <laughs> because, like, <laughs> whatever, they just didn't matter. But it easily could have been something more important. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or it could have been uh, it could have been really good if you did remember, depending on how. I mean, you never know, right? Maybe there's a game that I came close to losing where if I'd had a Quake Flora, it would have won me the game easily or something. Could have happened. Flora's so good. (laughs) I still have 12. I mean, you you also have to play to your play style. Like, if you you know for a fact that the best team in the format is really complicated, but you don't think you can play it properly, then you shouldn't play it. Yep. Whether or not it's because of stamina or it's just not your play style. Like, if it doesn't work, just doesn't work for you, then you won't get enough out of it. So, yeah. So, our best advice for identifying synergy, I think, is play with your team a lot. Um, 
and preferably play against players who also enjoy team building and want to give advice and stuff because other people's input is always helpful. Even if you don't end up taking it, just like as a way to start thinking about uh, modifications that you could make to your team, always nice to get some amount of input. And, and while yeah. we're on that topic, if somebody is taking the time to give you advice, even if you don't agree with it, don't shrug it because you never know when they might have a tidbit of knowledge that you do want to use. And if you shrug off their attempt to help, they won't help you anymore. Like, you know, or don't be like the guy that messaged me after <laughs> help and then telling that. me I've never won anything. <laughs> so um, why don't you win anything? Oh, oh my gosh. Wow, I, like, I do, but also what the... <laughs> he was asking me specifically about robots. And he was like, I like your build, but why don't you ever win? I'm like... Is this a real is this real life? Like is this a real conversation? Like that's not what you say to somebody you're asking for help. <laughs> like, yeah. like I will never answer another message from you. That is just how it's gonna work. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, I mean I'm sure that was like some like put your foot in your mouth kind of thing, but really don't do that. Like right. if you're messaging somebody asking for help, be nice to them. Why are you <laughs> yeah, even if you don't agree? Like I, I have I get advice from people that I don't take all the time. But I still appreciate that they're willing to take the time to attempt to help. Also, if you get advice from somebody that you respect who that you don't agree with, it's really useful to figure out why they think that. Because yeah. even if they're wrong on the on their um, solution to whatever perceived problem they have, they might be right on the problem. And right. it's something that you might have missed and want to think about. But all they said initially was, hey, you should be playing Bastion on your robots team. And you're like, okay, well, that's just not the robots team it is. So, like, so that is, is a robots team. I have team. a good example of this. <laughs> um, so Dan and I play tested before he went to the Moorhead event where he played uh, Batveria, right? Mm -hmm. um, he, he didn't have Molecule Man. And I'm like, playing Dark Phoenix is just win harder. And I'm like, you need to cut Dark Phoenix for Molecule Man because then if you get put on a map that's bad for Batman, you have an answer to that. You know, and it's just something that if we, we wouldn't have tested, he would have shown up playing Dark Phoenix and then had that where he lost map and couldn't interact as well as he needed to. Mm -hmm. So it, it, all it took was just an extra set of eyes sometimes, right? And then obviously Dan and I have a good mutual respect for each other when it comes to stuff like that. But even if it's some nobody, right, like some guy who's played three games of Hero Clicks and they're like, well, why doesn't that why, – why does your charge not go one farther square so you can go to here? That might be the most brilliant thing you've ever heard. Now you're really perplexed, right? Like, yeah, you know, it doesn't yeah, so, have to be some pro giving you this advice. Like, it can literally be just somebody at your local who just happens to be looking at the right angle at the right time to yeah, solve. Yeah, there's a like, there's a game design thing, which is that user feedback is terrible, but the problems that users identify are usually real. Right. Like, they usually players of your game when they give you a solution on how to fix something that's wrong with your game, give you totally the wrong solution. But you have to think about why they want that, what the problem that they're seeing is, and how you can fix that in a different way that does make sense. Wait, so you're saying that their 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 solutions aren't going to be good, but they're also the, the I mean, problems they're pointing out are problems. are going to be good, but more frequently, I think, like either they've found a new problem or they found a problem you already have a different solution to, and it's worth hearing them out to figure out what that is. Yeah. Also, on the other hand, you also can't assume that, like, no matter how good a player is, that their advice is going to be automatically correct. 
Like, yeah, if you message somebody, like, you know, message PJ or Jay or I and ask and ask us for team building advice and we tell you to replace a figure on your team with some other figure and you are like, but that's the figure that does my entire thing. And then, like, maybe we missed something, right? You know, well, you've spent and, a lot more time looking at it. <laughs> and another thing is, like, most advice you get is based on the play style of the person you're asking. Mm, so, like, I'm inherently an aggressive player, so when you show me a defensive team, I'm going to be like, well, how can we make this more aggressive? <laughs> like, that's just how it's going to work. Like, you have to also keep that in mind with who you're talking to. Um, yeah, that if I just, talk to Jay, like, he's This is what I would do if I were playing it. But it may yeah, I'm the opposite. I uh, yeah, I don't I don't like being aggressive. Jay's too defensive to, a player, in in my opinion. I'm extremely aggressive. <laughs> but you can also yeah. use that correctly as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, Jay that knows that he's a defensive player, he can go to somebody who's known aggressive, and be like, hey, what can I do to this to maybe bridge that gap, right? To I know that I built too defensively. What can I do to be more aggressive? And then you can specifically look for that advice, which is also acceptable. Yeah, like. I don't know. One example that comes to mind is I was working on like a micron aggressive team with somebody, but then I was like, okay, well, like you make a bunch of attacks, but if you just miss or if you don't kill stuff, then you just lose. Oh, you're all in or dead. That's the best part of alpha. Like <laughs> you, you get napped between rounds because like you're, you're done in game or round three, like or uh, turn three, the game's over one way or the other. And then you get to take a power nap. That's, um, that no, that's not necessarily a good thing. You can also have your team built differently so that you don't, like, auto-lose. And that is one of the on cool things two. about, um, about again, still bringing it up because it's recent, Tyler's Animals, is that it's an Alpha Strike team that doesn't necessarily die immediately when somebody attacks it. Yep. That's a fact. Yeah, right, I was also so, going to say that uh, good players can be bad at evaluation. Like, you could say that Wendigo is bad. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm sure like a bunch of people that Tyler would have showed his animal team to would have said put a Wendigo on it, right? Because, yeah, I mean, in a vacuum, Wendigo is the best, one of the best animal pieces, but it's it doesn't do anything on that team. It's never getting right. into combat. It's never getting there. Yeah. <laughs> that, and, and, you know, that's right, like, like I don't know, yeah. Talking about Dark Phoenix like, not being good. Like, the piece is obviously good. I just don't like it. So, yeah. <laughs> like... So me telling you, I'm not going to tell somebody to cut Dark Phoenix unless there is an actual legitimate reason for it. But there is a lot of times that you get, like Jay said, objective advice. Like um, somebody, um, I know a couple people who are really bad about this. They'll get on the hype train for one piece and then all of a sudden every build you want advice about, well, you should play this piece. (laughs) Okay, I get it. It doesn't even have the right keyword. Right. It, it yeah, yeah, you should be on theme just to me. play that piece. Yeah, you should break theme for this. Don't think yeah, so. or sometimes somebody might suggest, like, I don't know, you give, like, a person a given build, they might just suggest something that they feel splashable, which is uh, which means it's just good if you put it on every build, but it might not necessarily actually work. Like, yeah, Dark Phoenix is really good, but it doesn't mean you automatically put it on every build. Not even including breaking theme, just, you know, it just might not be good. So... Yeah, so speaking of theme, um, we did want to discuss theme. Yeah, and I think we so, only have time to, to go into theme, and then we'll have yeah. to do another Yeah, well, we, can do a, we can do archetypes another time. Um, so theme is something that's fairly meta-dependent in terms of like both whether you need theme and what your theme number needs to be, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm in the boat that theme is always better than not. Um, 
and that's a pro- big prop to game design. Um, they've made it to where like it's not like back in back when I started playing, where if you're playing theme, you're playing suboptimal pieces to make it happen. <laughs> now theme just builds itself anymore. Like <laughs> there's so yeah. much, so much you get so much value just playing theme, especially with the ma- the massive overhaul to theme team props. Like no token and anyone can use it. It's such a big deal. Yeah, and yeah, like being able to send an alpha strike piece across the board and just have the prop is a big. Yeah, thing. it just has its own prop now. That that alone makes it worth it. Like yeah. Um, and then to the point of like what your bonus, I think sometimes it just doesn't matter. Like if you're just playing it for the props, it doesn't matter. But if you really need to go first, that's when you need to evaluate the meta and look what you need for. Yeah, something that we used to talk about was if you're playing named theme, then it's worth it even if you don't have a big bonus, but if you're not, then whatever. But that's not a thing anymore. Theme is theme. So, yeah, I mean, frequently the probs are worth it by themselves. Yeah. Also, just generally, uh, regardless of theme or whatever, uh, since you mentioned map, if your team loses automatically on a certain map, you might want to reconsider Right. Like, you better have a. I'm not saying that like there's ever going to be an actual game where it's 100, percent but if a map li- basically 100 percent guarantees that you're going to lose, that's uh, that's a problem. Yep. Like if you're all in on Batman, but for whatever reason you're not themed, guess what? You're going to have a really bad event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that said. There are unthemed teams that did really well at the ClexCon. Um, it definitely is possible to build good unthemed teams, but if you're building an unthemed team, you had better be playing like actually the best five figures in the game or something. Yeah, I think if you're playing non-theme, like you end up like with 150 to 200 points of the same thing of every other non-theme. <laughs> at least, <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> yeah, like the team builds itself for the most part, and then it comes down to just a few decisions. Like, am I playing Jason or am I playing Sky Tyrant? Am I playing both? Like, <laughs> yeah. Right, so, and then what, you what have do you think situation... is required on? So, I mean, this is this isn't meant to necessarily be a current team building episode. We've been talking a lot about current teams because yeah. that's what exists right now, and it's the easiest examples to think of. Yeah. Um, but what do you but just as a little bit of a deviation of that what do you think is required on an unthemed team right now i'm i'm Double all in on commissioner at least eight to ten squares of barrier generation <laughs> yep that's fair you, because you're gonna get hit by an alpha strike you have to be able to not die to it so protect your attacker is the best possible thing you can do mm-hmm. so at least eight at least eight squares yeah like two yeah. two barrier pieces or you know, Molecule Man with, like, Human Torch. I don't know, like, the 20-point... Marvella is, like... Yeah, you know, like... Marvella Molecule Man is just easy. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, Molecule Man. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you have access to Lord Gaia with Molecule Man. That's a guaranteed 8 to 14 barrier squares. It's a lot of barrier. Yeah, like, that's, like, to me, it's mandatory if you're going second to have enough barrier to not die. And you're always going second because you don't. Yeah, you're, you should just bank on the fact that you're going second, even though now we have way more of a, a chance of going first being theme or non-theme. But you yeah. just can't rely on ever going first. You're just you're just thrilled whenever you get to. But yeah, I mean, you'd better in general with unthemed, you'd better either have a ton of barrier or be very hard to kill, and right. very hard to kill 
unthemed is not really a thing at the moment. Like, if you want to play super hard to kill, then just play robots or something. You're not gaining that much by being unthemed. And then, but I don't know, yeah. man. Like here soon, you'll get Moira X and uh, Herbert Blackheart Wyndham. And I am not. How do you feel about Herbert? <laughs> you just you get all the single click figures. Do you like I'm not Herbert? Super excited about that. But. Uh, no, I don't. Unfortunately, he just doesn't do much. <laughs> I, I wish that he had. I think it's like he needs end cap on top click. In my opinion. But, uh, I, I'll get to the point of admitting to myself that he's not that good, but, like, I don't know. I want to try and make it happen somehow. I think he's fine. Like, he's playable, because he's, ne- he's never getting attacked is the thing. Like, Moira X has a chance to get attacked because she's not a mystic. This guy is never getting attacked. Yeah. But, like, if he had in cap on top dial, though, he'd have two target in cap with all that improved targeting. Then he's at least, you know interacts with your opponent. <laughs> yeah, right now he's literally 50 points of something that doesn't die. He just, yeah. And yeah, if ID cards were a thing, he'd be really, really good. He or blocks he line of fire? Him. If you could equip him, that's... Mm-hmm. If he was a standard character, <laughs> yeah. then that's awesome. Because then I can, yeah, like, practice, or I could give him the energy explosion ring, like... Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess theme is very different now that, uh, you always get probs before. Yeah, that was a good point. This would have yeah. been that would have been a very different conversation before because yeah, if you lose map, then you didn't get anything out of it. But I mean, also just all the good pieces have all the keywords, like Flash has ten keywords. Uh, uh, High evolutionary works with Liberia and scientists. Those are already two keywords. Like it just yeah. If you're a good piece, you probably have a lot of keywords anyway. So you should be fine. All right. Yeah, and let's leave archetypes, and we'll try to do another one some uh to go over some archetypes because i do think they're useful when you start team building as a way to think about it but yeah. we don't really have time to go over them right now yeah that'll be another episode uh, okay, i want to talk about at least at least one question i don't know if, are you planning on doing the questions uh do do your thing i i want to talk I, gotta, I need to find exactly how we worded it um he it was joe asking about rise and fall is the least competitive set since um what <laughs> uh like uh future foundation house of x spider-man they're all worse i'll say interesting it. so the way you evaluate a set how many pieces in a set are going to remain in meta play right not just temporarily yep. when you look at rise and fall there are 12 figures that i can guarantee are going to stay in meta play like that is I think I would have put that number lower. So That's Hellfire it. Club Guard, multiple man, Sentinel. Um, Moira McTaggart, because the rally mechanic. The two swap pieces, Exodus Tempo, Blackheart Mimic, Diamond Patch. Sorry, that's 11. Those yeah, are I think I wouldn't standard. have all of those, but... Well, but, like, I agree you have to think, like, like, all of those will get played. So, like, because they all do very unique things, and, like, with the swap tech being a thing... And you, Lord knows, we're going to get more X-Men sets. Like, it's coming. <laughs> yep. Like, it's probably going to be every other set for the next four years. But, like, when you look at Future Foundation, there's, what, like, six figures? Not counting, I mean, I'm counting Doom as one, right? Like, yeah. I think they're Prime, Basically. Nathaniel Richards. I mean, yeah, it's also, Batman. like, 
Like, yeah, the, I mean, yeah, basically the the whole set doesn't matter, and like the synergy isn't even there. Like, it's like it's not like Fantastic Four is good, right? Like, you have a bunch of individual pieces. Right. The, the individual pieces that are good from Future Foundation are really good. I, I yeah, agree that, but the like, power you don't need are to buy like a lot of the set. Yeah, like not really. And like House of X has what like six figures that are played at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. House if of X. That, is, I think I'm being generous with like a couple of them. I think you might be. <laughs> I think I think you can honestly even say that Maggot, um, Chase, Apocalypse, Jubilee, and Bishop are the best pieces in that set right now. I agree. And I, I think it's not even close. Like I don't think there's anything else in that set that you're like, yeah, I'm definitely playing this. Like maybe. I mean, Mother? first and second place in that set isn't close. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just man. I, I don't know. Like. When we're talking about this set being low power, like it is guaranteed that Hellfire Club Guard gets played his entirety of being in modern, because Blackheart's going to be a, mod- a modern staple. Um, multiple man, he is a good low point piece. With he's there, and, and he's there to make swapping much easier. Right, and then the Sentinel is budget sideline. So the Sentinel should just be on every sideline if you have room. Like yep. it comes in sometimes. It does. Yeah. Cool. You have to you have to assume Moira will remain modern just because I think Manic Prime is worth playing. But also Moira just if Rally is something they keep going with going forward, she's a staple. It, like yeah. X Men is still in, right? I think Moira really depends on whether there's good Rally pieces to pair with her. Yeah, and right now there is like exactly two. <laughs> Yeah, um, which one? Marvel and, Girl and Polaris. Good enough. And yeah. Mimic, I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. Mimic. I don't think Marvel Girl's worth it. So, like, uh, I had a log talk with like Wes Summers about this. It's like, yeah, cool. I can power action to let her have a free TK, or I can just power action to TK. <laughs> like, well, I was more thinking having access to two TKs in a turn, but that's fair. Right. I mean, yeah, you can. It's like you can bank a TK. But man, like you can just do so much better stuff for the points, right? Like I'd rather have Polaris yeah. with the the five square knockback or the two, you know, the two square knockback, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I like Polaris better anyway, but yeah. Um, like I think yeah, I, I mean, to me, Polaris and Mimic are the ones that are the two good rally pieces. But even then, like Mimic is obviously good. I think he's actually like the best ten pull we've had in a very long time, and he may be like the revival of the archetype. Not like he's going to dominate events. Like let's make that clear. But I think that you have to respect him more than you've had to respect any temple we've seen in such a long time. Yeah, that's fair. Like, temples are just not really a thing right now. And even yeah. Emperor Gladiator is, like, not costed that way. So. Right, he's 100 points. He's not. He's far from a temple, right? Like, but I'm he's saying, points he would be a temple if he wasn't costed that way. And so Correct. But yeah, like, with Mimic, like, sitting next to a four, the 40-point Krakoa that had, gives him access to, like, stealth and invincible, just seems fine. <laughs> Um, yeah. Sure. So I don't know. Like, and, and then just, all, there's also a bunch of stuff that's like not necessarily the best, but at least swappable, right? Like, right. It, it is. Like it will set. get played for a very long time going forward. Like, uh, like Diamond Patch isn't great on the map, but by God, he shuts off two incredibly relevant powers. <laughs> or the uh, Ellie Deadpool, who is terrible right. for everything except swapping out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is sweet on the on the swap though. If you start yeah. with him. But so, like, and oh, I guess House of X, uh, Kate Pride from House of X is super yeah. good now. But but she's only good now because of the swapping. So, um, but yeah, like I, it it pains me to see people think that this set's bad when there's actually probably more pieces in this set than there are in most others. I think One Roman Eighty is a major exception because that set's just overpowered as a whole. Oh yeah. 
But otherwise, I think there's more pieces in this set with staying power than anything else. Than yeah, any other the, set in modern, probably. I think the average power level across all figures in the set is lower. But if you're oh, I, just oh, thinking yeah, of... Definitely. Like and the, I think that the, that's in, influencing people to think that it's a bad set for competitive. But yeah. that's not but really... Like, how yeah, realistically, like if you look at the history of Heroclix... Uh, modern staples come to about five or six pieces per set. <laughs> like, so the wor- so my answer to the worst set since was Battleworld, because that set was just like... I actually, I think Future Foundation is the worst set we've gotten in such a long time. I think that set was all just trash. <laughs> like, I mean, the sidekick mechanic isn't good, and so much of the set is dedicated to it. Right. And, like, the primes are solid at the lower rarity. And, I mean, like, the High Evolutionary is good, too. But, like, the primes are the best pieces in the set. The dooms are obviously good, but by God, you need so many of them. Like, I don't want to have to play $1,000 in dooms to play any doom. <laughs> like, you yeah. can't just play one of them and it'd be good. Like, I can't just play Sorcerer Supreme and and get the full use out of what he can do. Like, it's not worth playing if you're only playing that one. You have to own at least, in my opinion, four of them. Like, yeah, bare metal. I agree. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's great. And, and that's and they're a hundred each minimum. Like there's a couple that are higher. So we yeah. can call Molecule Man and High Evolutionary are the two like big meta staples Absolutely. that came out of that set. And yeah, and I consider Nathaniel Richards a meta staple sure. just because he I does agree. things that are amazing. Um, yeah. But those those are like the big takeaways from that set. Otherwise, it's crap. Like, and it's like High Evolutionary Prime, but only on the one team. Exactly. And and he's even on that team, he's fine. He's not even good. He's just, I might as well play him. <laughs> you're not you're not doing better for 20 points. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. I mean, he's he's your leadership and a perplex. Three but, probs and a leadership is, I mean, you have a Oh, yeah, I forgot, I forgot well. about the prob thing. A yeah. double perplex and three probs is pretty great for 20 points. But yeah, I forgot, I forgot about the prob part, yeah. So, yeah, that's good. But, like, as a whole, the set's crap. <laughs> Like there's just so it just it feels like you, people are saying that it's the worst set that we've got in such a long time. It's just man, it's just not. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I had a chance to say this in the episode yet, but I think that Hero Clicks players in general are just not great at evaluation. It's just mm-hmm. no collectible yeah. game player ever is good at evaluation. And, and I also I think people have a bad taste in their mouth with this set because of the delays. Yeah. Like, yeah, any hype that they had got killed by how long it's taken the set to release, which is obviously yeah. no fault of WizKids, even though for some reason people are blaming them. And partially, I imagine, um, how much figure repetition there is from House of X, where they, like, yeah. put the Star Jammers in again. Like, right. I know this is Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire, so they were sort of part of that storyline, but, like, why did you put them in House of X then, if you were just going to put them in Rise and Fall? Yeah. Like, they're characters I enjoy, but I don't need two versions in a year. <laughs> Yep. So that I'm was not, the first I'm question. Not... <laughs> they did make a good yeah. uh, Emperor Gladiator, though. That's that's for sure. He's... That is nice. I forgot to even put him on my list of pieces that were good. <laughs> I thought I missed hearing you say him. Yeah. 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 And he's great. Like he's a fantastic piece. I just forgot. Oh, and we got a we got the best legacy card that we've ever got with Cyclops. Come on. Not a high bar. <laughs> well, I, that is true. But like, it's a really <laughs> good legacy card. <laughs> Really easy to kill, but two extra actions uh, in like sort of nice. Like you just like he he's forty points with X Men keyword. So like if you're playing him, you just have Krakow and Revival. 
Now, granted, they're going to farm points on him like no tomorrow. <laughs> but he does a lot. I, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I like. I just. I think the set's good. I, and so it, it makes me. Yeah, sad. I think. I think the. I think people shitting on him are uh, going a little far. Yeah. Also, like, it doesn't matter what the old one did. It's like it's a, it's a different figure. It, it does. It's but it's not. It doesn't matter. You just already own. <laughs> right, and that figure's not even modern anyway. It's not even like it's um opportunity cost of playing the other one. It's I, just it's a new thing that you already had because you always just retired. So yeah. Um. Uh, next question. Uh, what uh, Jeff Dumas? Uh, what's a figure or keyword that you've tried to make competitive but just won't work? I don't team build very often these days, so I don't know. Uh, I haven't had this problem in a long time, but Chase Tigra from Avengers Infinity, I tried so hard. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, man. I wanted her to be good with Mistress Death so bad, and it just, I even played it at a national, mm-hmm. and oh, it's just, it was terrible. Oh, it's just god awful. Jay will remember <laughs> the time that. Uh, every set release, I tried to make celebrity a playable keyword. <laughs> yeah, when you're playing Bombshells Black Canary, you're stretching it. <laughs> that figure was fine. <laughs> it wasn't really, but the the problem with celebrity... So basically, there was like Giant Girls, which were great. Oh, yeah. And there was a couple of other like pretty good things in the celebrity keyword, and I kept thinking, this next figure that's pretty good in the celebrity keyword, we'll push it over the edge and it'll be good, and then I'd play it and it would be bad still. I like celebrity and silver. Yeah, maybe there is finally enough stuff. Well, the, the 10 point Fast Forces Giant Girl got a huge buff with yeah. the e change. She was already pretty good, but now? Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess for me the last one was Immortal Hulk because at the like after he didn't really work and like Devin kept on beating me and like trying to make me understand that it didn't work. So yeah, I think I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm pretty reasonably good at figure evaluation, so I can kind of know when a figure is not good and don't bother, or like I'll give it one try. Like before I might have been like, oh, do pool might no no okay like really looking at it I can. And there is a difference between trying to play a piece that you just want to play and it knowing that it's bad and accepting it. Like, I, I know for a fact I'm about to play a bad team. That is okay. <laughs> you are allowed to do that. Have fun however you want to have fun. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But don't try to make a piece good that isn't. Because <laughs> you are going to make yourself very angry. <laughs> yeah, just don't make yourself have a bad time. Yeah. Uh, does Rise and Fall feel dated already? I mean, no, because it's really good. <sighs> I mean, at the very least, I mean, you have to, at the very least, you have to account for all these, like, Silver Bolsa stuff, like X-Men, you have to deal with, like, all these things, like, I don't know, Some like, the dial design not now. committing to Bishop, like, alone, or not committing to Harry Leland alone, like, those are huge. Yeah, and like I was even talking about earlier for non-themed teams, just having the swap options, like, it are is such a big deal. And like, like I was talking about the Magneto earlier, you can go into Tempo, or you can go into... Diamond patch, and if you don't need either of those, you just go into a Dark Phoenix and say, "Ta-da!" Yeah, like it's the, all and of also, those options are fine. <laughs> and you know, also just like reasonable, although you like want to share keywords with characters, but yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Pancrazio, Clicks Nexus. Is there a support power you refuse to build without? Is there a power you will always forget on a build and instantly regret? I mean, I would outside of leadership because that's automatic. I don't think I would ever play a team without prob. Uh, yeah, leadership and then barrier for me, like, which we talked about earlier. I think I build with more perplexes and probs than most people do, 
<laughs> like when I was um, changing up the uh, Trader Gardener team, one of the things that I wanted to do was put an additional prob and an additional perplex on it. And it already had like three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I a lot of times it's too much. I, I'm trying to jam another like weird support piece, but there's just one that's better. Like, I had Valeria Von Doom on my team and it's laying that out. I was like, okay, but if you want leadership, you could just play another Flash. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, is there a power I always forget how to build? I don't think so. Outwit. I forget Outwit all the time. I get pissed that I don't have it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's probably... I uh, actually frequently build and forget about Barrier and then go, wait, I need Barrier. <laughs> I have to go back and redo it. Makes sense. Uh, Louis Reyes, is it ever acceptable to have a figure on your team above 75 points in the current meta? Uh, mm-hmm. that's I mean, so- just off of it, you punish a war machine, but that's like pretty much it off top. Uh, I mean, I, I'm considering Rise and Fall to be released, so Emperor Gladiators. Yeah, like new it's, temples. Yeah, like um, Gladiators. I think Null is fine at 125. Did well. Yeah, and it, it only, always means it great, only lost well. at the Quicks Cup because I got stupid lucky. We need to make that very clear. <laughs> I got ridiculously lucky and won. That should have been a that should have been the end of my day. Is that that matchup? Nice. And he missed all but one of his eight shape change rolls with a fifty fifty. Like it's just I have to hit five attacks in one turn to kill him before he starts flurrying my Superman and healing four clicks a turn. So <laughs> that would be an issue. Yeah, like, it's really bad for me. And then I just did it. I just hit all five attacks. Like, and he missed all the shape changes. And then he came over and killed a Superman, and then I hit all five attacks again the next turn. Like, oh. That's very like, like, it's you just, seen... like, the game was over on turn three, like, it or turn four. Like, mm-hmm. it that shouldn't happen. Like, Null is good. Null is very good. Reminds me of playing um, uh, starter TMT Hawks against the chase black panther at full twice in one day <laughs> and the first time it took me till like nearly last action to kill it i almost lost it was really close and the second time i killed it on like turn three and was like uh that yeah. shouldn't have happened yeah. but it did well, yeah they also yeah he also crit missed so he had him on click do that reduce that didn't yep. help. Uh, um, yeah. yeah there was a lot of things that went wrong for him that game yeah. um uh, ps4 spider-man if he i mean i don't know what people are building with him but I I feel like he's that piece that's really good, but nobody's willing to play it because if you just catch a bad run of luck, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. That's the other thing. You don't want to rely, like, you can have 20 defense, you can have, like, whatever, but, like, you can't just rely on being hard to hit. I mean, if you look at the last episode's description and click on that spreadsheet that I wrote and then sort it by points, you can see that if you wanted to do well at the clicks cap, the answer is pretty much no. Oh, and I also think 95-point Captain Marvel is absolutely worth playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I also think Black Widow is potentially still, like, a yeah. thing. I still I think it's a travesty that she's not being played. Like, it makes no yeah. sense. She's still absurd. She yeah. did see play at the Clicks Cup, but one team. Right. Shifting, po- shift, shifting focus Black Widow never seeing play is just dumbfounding to me. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, Aries, how much time goes into the cheating strategy of Phoenix Nest? I mean, you do a lot of recruiting, right? So that, that alone is, you know. Yeah, so that's that's the majority me. of the, the time sink, right, is we strategically recruit to make sure that we have literally everyone that plays Hero Clicks on our team. 
whether you know it or not, you are. Like, Jay, you're on our team. You just don't know it. Oh. I keep saying that every Team World's team should be prefixed with Phoenix Nest. I would love it. Oh, my God. That would be the best day of my life. If <laughs> you learn. tend to do well in Team Worlds, I mean, you also have, like, four teams in any given event, but... Hey, Ed and I are the dynamic duo, all right? We've, yeah, we've had a lot of teams, a lot of good runs. Like, we, yeah. you know, we got second, we got fourth. Yeah, the year I won. When you lost, yeah. when you lost team rolls to Howard, did you go one? Did you go? What was the? What was your record? Two one. Two one, and I should have won. Yeah, though I was, I was gonna get into yeah, your game of the worst insane luck, or he, well, it was both his good luck and your bad luck. Uh, and so it was his good luck followed by my bad play. Like, if you go back and watch it, so he hit a 10 against a single die prob, which the odds of that are astronomically low. Hitting a 10 against a prob is already low. Um, but I had the Doctor Strange, the uh, the Shifty Strange that lets you replace one of the die, or prob one of the die. So I probbed a 6 into a 6. Like, okay. Um, and then I was like, man, uh, I can't let it him do like that. It looks like a 7% chance? It, yeah. And, and then, uh, for whatever reason, I'm like, he's going to do that again, and I don't know how to beat it. And so I attack Punisher, and then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I just got scared by the fact that he hit me, and now I have a, a higher defense, and that's not going to happen again, but yet I was scared it was going to happen again. And just, I let his exploit piece live, and then he ended up killing me with it. And then, like, also, um, I used all my theme props to make him miss, and then he's like, well, now that you used all your theme props, maybe you'll crit miss as I drop a crit miss on the table. Like, it was just a, a series of unfortunate events. I mean, any other arguments aside, I mean, you guys, you, you've done that well in both Constructed and Team Sealed. And, like, you know, you, you guys won, uh, uh, you know, Team Worlds that was sealed. So you can't really counterbuild your uh, your teammates unless you really commit. And that's, like, really stupid. Well, but, so yeah. what I do is I go and steal their pieces off the table. And then we, we have all the good ones for us, right? You didn't really grab that many insane pieces for uh, this last win, but whatever you said. No, it was like our pool was really, really good, but we only just, we just had two super rares. They just happened to be two very good ones. Yeah, I mean Lucas's team was two commons and two uncommons, but it was just right. Exactly, like that wasn't like those weren't god pools. That was just reasonable luck. So yep. yeah, um, X Nicholas Strife, how do you approach evaluating figures? What are the two to three most overlooked standard powers in the game? I mean, my personal approach is I look at a piece and, uh, I mean, my when I build a team, it's this is a piece that I have like this just has to be played. Like for me, I just I saw High Evolutionary, and I was just like I have to play this piece. Like this is just mandatory. And then I went from there, which is obviously not necessarily always going to rely revolve around a thirty point piece, but like, yeah, pretty much that. I mean, I think we talked a lot about this, right? Um, if it point efficiency mechanical uniqueness difficulty to kill if it doesn't have one of those things it's probably not worth considering you yeah, probably right. want like, to at the very basics it's what does this figure do does this figure do a thing whether or not that's just being good in general or doing something unique it's just this figure doesn't do a thing that i need yes or no so very basic so for me it's uh, uh i don't go in depth on evaluating a figure unless i like it like I have to, I have to believe that I will have fun playing it. Obviously, I'll do like a baseline evaluation. Like, is it good? Okay, sure, but I'm not gonna play that piece ever. Um, like, but like Blackheart, 
I love the character. Um, loved him, you know. I love him in the books. I love him in Marvel vs. Capcom. It, it, it's it's a great character. So when the piece came out, I'm like, I really hope this is good. And then I start going into the in depth of it. I'm like, holy crap, this guy's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, um, so that's how I start with my evaluations. Do I like the character first? Then do they have something really cool that I enjoy, like Jason Wingard? I know nothing about that character until obviously I knew a little bit from watching the show, but. I really liked what he could do by making pogs because pog making is amazing and fun yeah. for me. So then I started to really appreciate everything else he could do. That's a figure that is so mechanically unique and so interesting because he interacts with every other figure in the game. Yep. You and just sort of have to look at everything else. He's also not just broken. He's really, really good, but he's not like into the game broken like Vulture was. He does he's sometimes. Only, minutes, but. Yeah, he's only broken if there's other things in the game that support him being broken. Right. Like, he's much better again now that Rookie exists than he was before Rookie was released. Yeah. I would just, for me, I would just rather not play than, like, if I feel like I have to play something really broken or whatever, I just probably would rather not play. Although I judge more than anything, but if I'm not having fun with the team, I don't know why I'm playing. Yeah, so I guess the thing that PJ was talking about with, like, diving deep into evaluating a figure is just like yeah. imagine turns of things it can do like that's how you figure out that a figure like blackheart is really good and not just looks good right oh there's a i can do a turn where i deal like eight penetrating damage to a thing or like he has full map reach right. with no help yeah exactly like that doesn't happen he doesn't even need a tk he can just have full map reach by himself that doesn't happen. So you're that giving is, your opponent some number of points to do it, but right, right. But I, usually it's worth it, right? Like you're probably not, not doing even, it. It's not worth it. I hope so. But like <laughs> it, it is. It's just cool. Like that is an amazing effect. But and I didn't even realize he could do that until I put him on the map. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Evaluating a figure on map, even not playing a game, just like literally putting it on the map and being like, okay, there's an enemy here. Can I kill it? Is yeah. always. Can I hit that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of the time you might realize what a figure needs by playing it, or you might just realize that it's good. Like, you might think, oh, this is probably fine, but then you realize how good it is, right? Like, uh, Adam was playtesting against a team that I made that somebody else was playing with uh, High Evolutionary, and then he hit it to the, he, he mind-controlled it, and then he was like, wait, what does he do? Oh, shit. Like, sometimes you just have to see it on the map, or like how yeah. some people didn't realize how good Faust was. So Shit. <laughs> Until you don't get to act for, like, four turns, and you're like, hmm. Yeah, that was uh, pretty embarrassing on the Metal Lab where we didn't uh, quite put it together. <laughs> uh, what are what are the Overlook standard powers? Energy explosion. Yep. That is That's a... Yeah. I mean... I've, I've put Nathaniel Richards on teams because I figured, oh, if I can get energy explosion off, that could do, like, a lot. Like, against robots, if I can get energy explosion, like, that's big. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I guess, Quake, like on figures that also have like exploit now that those work together yeah, yeah like i mean i'm thinking of right. sky tyrant i should have probably just said sky tyrant but <laughs> yeah. right if you're making your opponent have to reposition that is like already paying for itself like if they want to be jason for whatever reason they can't that's already good like when you're playing mind games with your opponent without even like doing anything that's that's a thing um and i think it's, uh, it's weird to say but stealth um the, the the meta is currently punchy, so people are forgetting that stealth is useful. Yeah, yeah, I that's mean, fair. It's really good against the like 
high evolutionaries of the world, but those yeah, teams also is, contain flashes. Which yeah, but it's also good against Outwit. I mean, granted, Outwit can now interact with stealth better, right? But it still forces your opponent to dedicate actions to making sure that Outwit happens. You yeah, know, if it means that your Sky here. Tyrant has to stay adjacent to Outwit me now, that is much better than him running 12 squares away from me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and also, I mean, there's good interactions with Harry Leland. Like, if you you, if you don't want to charge me and you can't and you can't shoot me, like, what are you doing? Right. No, no, I think I think defend is my my third one. I think it it gets slept on. You into the new Green Lantern? I I am. I think he's fantastic. Um, I don't have him on any of my current builds, but that's just because that's not the way I'm building. That's where I am on the figure too. uh, Yeah, I haven't built anything with him, but he's good. Um, I, I own one, to be useful, and I'm going to like, keep it. Good plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeff asks, is PJ tired of seeing Matty G win with teams he built him? I mean, designing your own figure is almost like building a team. The closest <laughs> he's ever going to get. What, what's really funny is, like, I built him the the team that he won the casual event for the Clicks Cup with. Because he's like, I don't want to be casual. Because, <laughs> you know, there, there was prizing on the line. So, like, not everyone's going to play it casual. Doing, so. doing casual events with build restrictions, but still a ton of prizing is just like, it, it's not actually going to be casual. The Huntington like, event had better to... prizing for casual than modern. Like, Well, so the way you do casual events with prizing is only reward fellowship. Yeah, yeah. So prizing for placement. placing is yeah. a bad idea if you want an event to actually be casual. Right. And you can give the winner, like, a trophy or something, you know, something yeah. not hundreds of dollars in product. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I think like, if you want to do a, a successful casual event, you do, like, I like the Scott Porter charity event, right? The Yes, there were prizes for winning, but, like, Fellowship was massive. So... Yeah, like, and I also, can take out the prizes for winning. <laughs> Also, it doesn't matter what your ban list is. Like people are like, "Oh, we're gonna make an event that's only theme." I'm like, it doesn't matter. Whatever you ban, whatever like stuff you're gonna like enforce, there's gonna be stuff that's good. Like yeah, you're not you're gonna get rid make of everything other good stuff better, and everything. Right? You're you're not gonna get rid of everything good and everything's equally good. Like that's just not gonna happen. Right. Like I'm working on a, a format with a ban list, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna get rid of the oppressive stuff, but there's still gonna be stuff that's good. Yeah, like like you can go to Popper like, and ban the top yeah. ten commons and uncommons, and there will still be something broken. Yeah, something there always has to be something that's become. the best. Yeah, like something that wasn't the best because of the other figures, it's just now the best. You know, like, as uh, the Kilted Clicksman uh, tournament yeah. last year showed. <laughs> oh man, the fun. finals of that was awesome. <laughs> uh, Once it eventually happened. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but to answer Jeff's question, uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not tired of seeing Maddie one of the teams I build him because otherwise I would stop building them. But uh, it, 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 I, to me, building is the best part of HeroClix. So it, I could never play another game, and I could just build teams for like the top 16 players in the world to play at an event, and that would make me completely content with this game. So, yeah. I mean, even if you don't, yeah, I mean, in my case, like, if I'm probably more likely to play test with my friends than uh, actually play an event, but yeah, still getting to build is the thing. And, like, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you build a team that's good and you don't win, but then somebody does and, it, you know, it gets proven. That's fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
need people yeah, to actually uh, copy my teams. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that I proved high evolutionary. I, I get very happy that he gets all sorts of play because I still take full credit for that. So yeah, you so, played it first. Yep. So you can be happy when other people win with stuff you built. So yeah. my my, my, my really crowning achievement in this game is is the price of the boomerang elite. <laughs> I made it. I made an uncommon forty-five dollars. Yeah, I'm good. Like nothing else has to happen. Like cool, wow. Devin. You made maggot. All right. I made foot elite forty-five dollars. All right. That's what. We're, that's what I'm going with. It's true. That's my immoral victory. <laughs> well, Hopefully, you'll eventually get to make a figure too. Uh, maybe one of these days. I'm not that worried. I mean, about if that. you were just good and you actually haven't won anything. If I ever actually won an event, yeah, then maybe I would get to make something. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you want? You want? I mean, you'd win nationals the year after they stopped letting them uh, pick figures, right? Uh, two years after, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's got yeah. If only yeah. If only you yeah. If only you placed first instead of second at Team Worlds and you know all that stuff. Right, and then we wouldn't have Billy and Shazam. <laughs> we just have one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> or actually, they probably just would have made something not even anywhere close to that, but. Yeah. So, yeah. So we will. I think we'll have enough for uh, enough for an episode about just general archetypes, as well as one for maps because maps are like big, even though not that many are played, but they still matter a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else before I wrap up? Nope. People learn no. something. Okay. Right. I think that I agree. So that's it for today. I want to thank the co-hosts. Yeah, uh, and I want to thank our patrons whose support helps us bring this and any other content to you. If you want to become a patron, go to patreoncom collects. We have a Discord, fully access to episode giveaways and other stuff. We have affiliate links with Podbean if you want to use their services, whether that's uh, getting a free month of hosting or getting $100 ad credit if you want to advertise with them. We have the social medias. We have the Facebook page and group, Twitter, Instagram. For some reason, if you want to go on those, uh, and I want to plug our show affiliates. Devin Adams has the Happy Little Hero Clicks YouTube channel. Uh, Aries has his Facebook page and a Patreon, and the dishing up clicks stuff, and uh, doesn't do the actual dishes enough. Uh, and I am contractually obligated to ask if you've heard of ClicksNexus.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you make sure to have fun the next time we play Hero Clicks, whether it's competitive or casual.